I think a lot of it comes down to like understanding the priorities, which I think I've gotten a lot better at. And that sort of helps you let go of perfectionism. In the end, I think I've learned the hard way that the most important part of the business is the numbers and especially the sales. Hi, you're listening to Looks Like Work. I'm your host, Ged McLean and yeah, it's the least pronounceable name you've ever heard, but you'll get used to it. I'm a serial entrepreneur who's obsessed with curiosity, creativity, and grit, and that's just to get started. I really can't get enough of learning more about people's career choices. What fulfills them? How do they deal with burnout, with heartbreak? How do they protect their boundaries? And is it all even working? Those are questions that keep me up at night and I hope to explore here. On this podcast, we'll have deep conversations with entrepreneurs, artists, people juggling a few jobs, sometimes even a few industries, sharing what looks like work for them. With that, on to the episode. I really hope you'll enjoy it. Elisheva Menekin, so good to have you on the podcast. I can't believe this is happening. We haven't spoken in... literally years how are you I think like six years that's what I think I'm good I'm doing great six years I think we spoke before uh the we work creator awards that was oh yeah, 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 yeah. teen that's four years almost yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> how are you how you're doing I'm doing good I'm excited to be here I am so excited to have you on. So we haven't spoken in many, many years, but I have been lurking and stalking your Instagram and kind of uh, watching in admiration and kind of fangirling over all the things that you do. So before we bore our listeners, tell us what, what is it that you do? So I'm Ellie Shella uh, or Ellie, and I own a plant where it's design business, which means I design and uh, sell mostly through our website, anything that helps people display their indoor plants beautifully. So we do planters and hangers and shelves and just everything to help people bring plants into their home in a healthy and beautiful way. I love this description. It's like, it's just so perfect because it's really like, even if I hadn't known what you do, I think you just described it so perfectly. spot on especially kind of witnessing some I'm sure not all but some of the different stages of your brand's evolution and your own evolution as a designer and as a business owner and as a CEO I love how like together it sounded it was like so the vision was so clear but when we met or when we got to kind of know each other online I, I don't even remember what happened first but In kind of the early 2010s, I believe, like kind of 2012, 2013, something like that. Yeah. You had a very different kind of brand. Like looking back, I think I could definitely see the traces of the same personality, the same design vision. But I would love if you could share a little bit about how you started and what you started when you started. And then maybe we can talk also about like the Of course, the products themselves, but also about your transition and your growth in work and in business. So I studied industrial design at like the Bezzalel Art Academy. 
uh, in Jerusalem. And I started working like right after, even before I finished, before I had like the end exhibition, which was actually very surprising to me and to my peers because I wasn't considered like the best student. <laughs> being like, I wasn't like one of the people that they're like, oh, they're going to make it. She's going to be our star. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't a star. I wasn't a star. Uh, not through like school. And I think I, I surprised a lot of people. I think that's also part of like what pushes me. So I started working at a handbag company, uh, which was an amazing experience. Like it was before 2008. So like the world was still making money. And I was like flying all over the world. They didn't have kids yet. So that was it was amazing. And then in 2008, I had my son and then like everything kind of crashed, which had a large impact on retail. And I was deciding if I wanted to go back or not. And I'm like, well, you know, what got me into design is home decor. I growing up in the US, I would go to, with my mom just for fun, like to all the stores there that we don't have here in Israel, like Pottery Barn and CB2 and West Elm. And that's like my favorite place to be in the world. Oh my God, I, I so relate. And then you'll come back home and say, why don't we have any of it here? We, don't have, we just have Ikea and it's, it's not the same. <laughs> This was like my dream. I just wanted to like, I would do a ton of DIYs for our, our house. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, there were there wasn't really too much then in Israel, like there weren't a lot of stores doing that. And there definitely weren't any like large chain stores that I could go looking for a job at. So I'm like, Oh, whatever, like, I'll just do it by myself. How hard can it be? <laughs> so I, I was a little worried. So I did I went in like did it with a partner that my one of my very, very good friends from uh, university. And we're like, Oh, let's just do it together. And we were successful in a way and like failing in a completely different way. We were successful because our, our designs were carried in lots of stores and even stores that were like still considered like really great in design, but we were not making any money at all. Let's say when my husband is traveling, so the house is going to be really clean and all the dishes will be done because I'm like, well, no one else is going to do it. But when you have a partner, you're like, oh, maybe she'll do it and no one does it. So we weren't really looking at our finances. Like it was a big mess. Um, and then eventually after a couple of years, we said, well, this is, I was also, I was working, I think the hardest I've ever worked and that wasn't working. So after I think like two or three years split up, still remained good friends. And I'm um, like, well, if I'm going to make this work, I, I need to be online. Like I can't do this store thing. I'm very, very shy when it comes to like calling and asking, oh, like what sold, what didn't sell. Like I can't, it's too much anxiety. So I'll do it online. And then I just sort of learned everything from the beginning, made a ton of mistakes. And then I would say I was like a designer maker. I made almost everything myself. And slowly as things were doing better, I had more sales, each product I could find the manufacturer for. I did that for like a couple of years. And then right before COVID, a couple months before, I told my husband, like, I think it's really hard for me online to market because I have stuff that's storage and I have stuff for kids. And it's just too wide. Like what makes it cohesive is the dial, but I'm not a huge brand. I, I can't put that much into marketing a style. That's not something I can do. So people who aren't like familiar with what product that you had, I'll get more of an idea. You had like felt, right? Soft goods, kind of storage bins. Yeah. I had, I basically had everything I wanted for myself. <laughs> so I was like, oh, it's I need a good, storage It's bins. a good inspiration yeah. to draw from. Yeah. So I, I need wall hooks. I need storage baskets. I need some like accessories. I was starting like to get into plants. I made these like plant hangers and everything was for the same customer, but in different parts of their day. It was hard because some things I was like, oh, this is for moms and this is for anybody. 
and this is for plant people. And it, it was just really hard for me to like focus on my messaging. So you felt like people didn't know, like this is the go-to place for this specific. Yeah, it wasn't specific enough. It was like, oh, I'm in home decor, but that's huge. And I'm running against so many other like small retailers, large retailers. It's just really hard to stand out when you have a blurry message. Like I needed, so you said in the beginning, like, oh, I really understand what you do. And I'm smiling because I'm like, wow. That's very concise. It took me years, years to get to that place where I can explain <laughs> what I do. And people are like, okay. Uh, it took a really long time. That basically, that was a huge leap for me because I was giving out my bestsellers that had been like in magazines and had really opened so many doors for me. So my husband, I'm just going to go. I just want to do indoor plants. Like I'm not really interested in the kids stuff anymore. My kids are older like in the baby stuff, I'd say. And a lot of the things I had done that were like innovative in the beginning, I, I saw everywhere like versions of it. So I was kind of bored with it. And I said, Okay, I'm just going to do plants. And he's in finance. And he's like, listen, you can't give up your best sellers. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like, what if you had it on the side? What if no one noticed? What if we weren't put? I said, No, like, I don't mind, we can keep them on Etsy. But I, I really, I have this gut feeling that this is going to be the thing we should be doing. And by that time, you were selling through Etsy, through yeah. your own e-commerce site. Yeah, I, I had always been doing really well on Etsy. And I was trying to get to the point where my website would surpass Etsy. So I was working really, really hard to market my website. And I was also doing a little bit of wholesale, but just if I was being approached, like I didn't approach retailers. I had my stuff on a wholesale website and if they would come, fine, but I definitely wasn't pursuing it. And you were in Israel, but you were selling all over the world, just uh, direct to consumer. Yeah, mostly to the US. That's where most of our customers are. And then I have like my, a local website, which I sell through as well with its own challenges. So I'll just <laughs> say it like that. Slowly, I just said, okay, how am I going to do this? Like, I'm not just going to throw out these things out the window, like how, how do I make that switch? So I just started designing a lot more plant wares and like till the scale tips. And that was probably like four or five months before COVID. And then COVID hit and then plants just like blew up. Exploded. Yeah, it's insane. And it's been like that still. So I was in the right place in the right time. Everything was ready. I have to say, even if COVID didn't happen, I still think I would have been in a much better place, but that was just like... Yeah, because the urban jungle kind of slash jungle like like having a jungle at home movement has started a few years ago uh, prior to that. And we both know like bloggers kind of yeah. pioneered that, but COVID took it to a whole different place. Yeah. And when I was just starting out in there, I, I had competition but nothing like I have now, like these past two years. So I sort of had like a headway. So my website far surpassed my Etsy. And I've been doing a lot more wholesale proactively as well, because I'm able to just um, manufacture more and get better prices. Yeah, so that's what I've been doing for like the past two and a half years. And I was able to grow my team and have a bigger space. Just like niche, people always say like, niching down and how important it is. And I'm like living proof. That was just such a a good decision I had made and it was scary. Like it wasn't an easy one. I'm sure. Did you kind of like when you did that shift, do it like kind of stealthily or did you like kind of announce it? Did you say like, here's what we're going to do from now on? Well, first I like obsessed over it for like <laughs> four months asking myself that question. Like, how do I do this? And you're thinking like, oh, this is so important. Like this is the most important thing. And most people don't really care or remember so I kept saying to myself, like, just get over yourself. Like, no one cares. No one knows what you do anyway. And then I remember, like, the tipping point. I sat with my brother 
who does other things. He's just like a really smart guy. And I said, like, how do you make a change like that? Like, how do I just wake up one morning? And and also like a lot of the things I had been doing were still taking energy for me because I still had to tend to them. And he says, well, you should just stop manufacturing more and just design like an entire collection and it'll just happen organically. And once that happens organically, then I made the announcement. That's amazing. And do you feel like it's so funny because as you said, like everyone now is talking about niching down. Did you feel like niching down beyond like the business impact and the clarity? What did it do to you? Did you feel like you got like kind of more clarity or like what was the impact on, on yourself? In a way, it was easier to explain what I do. I get asked a lot. Like we, we had moved just a year. I did. I made that change. We moved back to Jerusalem. We, ha- we hadn't been living here for like 13 years. And I was meeting new people. I'm trying to explain. And uh, it's still weird to explain to people like what I do because I always say it sort of like I put them through. I feel like I'm putting them through a funnel. I say, what do you do? I say, oh. Here's the journey. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, I design home decor. And they say, oh, like what? And I say, well, things for indoor plants. And then I say, like what? <laughs> and I say, like planters. <laughs> because just saying that it's just really random. Most people, I don't know anybody else who designs home decor. And so it made it clear. It made it easier for me to explain what I do. It made it a lot easier for me to maintain our content, which we do a lot of. So everything was just so much clearer. And just positioning, like everything fell into place. And even now, I know exactly like what my next steps are. I know who my biggest retailers should be. I know who I want my partners to be. I really know this niche really, really inside and out. That just makes managing it so much easier. No, that's amazing. And you could become that go-to place. Yeah. I was about to like ask all of these questions like much, much later uh, in the episode, uh, which just makes you understand how planned... (laughs) episodes are Uh, I feel like it gave like a really really important context just for everyone because what's really interesting for me throughout all of this and I think that was interesting to me like even before this entire kind of transition and pivot that you made because when we initially met or got to know each other I was working I had a content and marketing agency helping designers and lifestyle business owners um market themselves and create content and all of that. One of the things that I found so impressive about you, even back then, like almost 10 years ago, probably, was that even though actually what you were doing was very similar to a lot of my clients and my friends in this industry, you were thinking about it, at least it seemed to me like you were thinking about it in a more strategic way. You were taking Marie Forleo's B-School course. Yeah. You were working or, you know, in touch with the Export uh, Institute. You were always like on to the last thing, like, latest things. So, you know, you knew at least, I don't know if you completely knew, but you knew about like, you knew about wanting to know about moving your website to Shopify, for example. And a lot of our conversations were around those things. Like, what's the latest thing that we should know? What's the latest social platform that we aren't on yet? And I think it was like one of the first times that I met someone in very much in the lifestyle industry that is not only thinking about making money. And now when you spoke about like actually making money, but not getting enough profits, that's kind of clicked into place, but actually maintaining like a profitable, healthy business and thinking about the next steps and kind of 
watching as you grow and evolve through the years, even from afar, it all really resonates with the same Elisheva that I met years ago, I think in like the Mataviv mall or somewhere like yeah. that. And I, I would love to hear more from you because as you said, like that you also spoke about it back then when we first met, people in school didn't necessarily really believe in you. But you had, like, it seems to me at least, like, you had a very strong kind of core of knowing what you want to do, or at least how you want to do it. Can you speak a little bit about that? One, I'll say it's really weird hearing how other people see me. Um, I yeah. talk to, like, a whole lot of people. <laughs> so that was really nice to hear. I'm, I'm a very competitive person. I, and I, I don't necessarily feel like I'm competing against other people. This, but also I always feel like oh, I, I could have done better. I could do this better. Like I need another, I need to try again. I'm always going to think that I could have done it better. So I think that is probably part of what makes me sort of keep looking. For how can I do this better? Like what, what else can I do to make this better? And also through the years, I've learned that you've never done everything. Like there's always so much more that you can do. Which is actually, I think for some people could be overwhelming, but for me, it's always really exciting. They're like, oh, like things have been going not so great like the past couple of months, but let's try doing this. Let's try doing that. Like there's always so many more things to try. So I think I'm always like looking for that next thing that I can try to make it work. And I think in the bottom of my heart, I'm just like trying to prove <laughs> to all those people <laughs> went to school with me like that honestly could care less like they don't care but I'm like oh, I'll show them I'll show them I don't think they care I think that's still like a huge part because that was like the first time I came somewhere that it was so important for me to succeed and I was just kept getting my foot in my mouth like I just couldn't do it so I think that's still a big part of like what pushes me forward what do you feel like in school I'm really wondering what about you was different was it that you looked at design not only as pure art but also as business or is it like something different was it that you were American no I wish that was it <laughs> no <laughs> I think I was completely <laughs> clueless for like the first two years <laughs> I'm also like a really a people pleaser like I just want to get like the sticker and for people to tell me oh good job you and me both and, yeah yeah I think a lot of us, especially women entrepreneurs, but I just like want to be the best. And I want everyone to tell me, oh, you're the best, you're the best. Like your house is so clean. Your plants are so happy. Like even I tell that to myself a lot, just like, yeah, you want to succeed and you want to win, but you also want everyone to love you. So <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And then I studied industrial design, like completely by accident. I didn't know what it was. I wanted to study graphic design and I, and I wasn't accepted and I was accepted to industrial design, which was strange because it's a lot harder to get in. So I came there. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what they do. I had, I, I didn't know any designers. Like, so just for two years, try to understand what they were talking about. And at the same time, like I wasn't doing well and it was really hard for me, like just to hear like, and I knew, I knew my, it's not like, oh, they didn't understand what I was doing. I think a lot of my things just weren't good. And also I think I was like a very verbal person. I wanted to explain what I was doing. And I like came, I was like interested in art and it's not that kind of place. All of professors are men. Most of them like served in the army together. And then obviously they're going to have a lot more in common with the guys who served in the same places. I, I hope it's changed now. I don't know. But uh, from like people there who have been working for me, I, it hasn't changed all that much, but maybe a little bit. That sounds painfully familiar to so many other industries and places I've been. Yeah. So it was just really hard to even get that time with the professor. And, and there were a couple of standouts. But then I think what changed in the third year, I'm like, well, no one gets what I'm doing anyway. And I'm doing really poorly. So I might as well do stuff I like and just have fun. 
And that was like, that changed everything. Yeah, I started doing really a lot better, getting like, I guess, better respect in a way. But I will say a couple of years ago, I met I met someone who went to school with me. And he's like, so how do you explain? Like, how do you understand? How do you figure that, like, that you're doing so well? How does that make sense? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> explain to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> how come you? And I still, you know, I don't think like university knows they're, they're not profits. They, they take something specific to succeed in school and something else to succeed. Yeah, it's like all these cliches about the people who picked in high school, right? Yes like all the movies I love to watch. That's for sure. I'm still trying to prove myself. I don't know. It, it always feels like it's just like right in front of me, like that huge win, that huge break. Like it's just a little bit more. And, but it, it normally doesn't look like that, like a one big break, just like a lot of tiny little breaks. But I think I'm also always like searching for that big break, like Oprah's going to talk about me. I'm really like interested because one of the my personal challenges is someone who's Like I was going to say very easily bored, but it's not very true because I'm never bored. But just like I'm always looking for the next thing. And that's one of the reasons why I've like worked in so many different industries, even like not even like just pieces of an industry. From one perspective, like niching down is so smart. But then do you feel like the growth and the learning for you, because you know your niche very well, but then maybe the business part is where you grow, where you like, like really stretch? Exactly. Yeah. I think like the most creative part of my job is actually the marketing and not the design because I, I design like very little. <laughs> and like if you look at my day, I probably design like once every two months, but I'm constantly like the art director and like the creative director and thinking about our captions and our website. And it's still new to me, even though I, I already know a lot, like there's always more to learn. Plus it's always changing. So I for sure think like that creative side of me is constantly I'm, I'm never bored. Yeah, no, I, I could really relate to that because I went from like the world of like content and marketing that I knew very well into being a founder of a startup. And there I felt like <laughs> you could say maybe even too stretched, but I was like constantly learning. It was like a huge, huge privilege. It was also very painful to be stretched in so many directions, but it was also still like like a kid in a, in a, in a candy shop, right? You, like you're never bored. You're always learning a new thing you're also always like anxious and like kind of thinking about my next steps after that was like, what can I do where I won't be bored, where I'll still have that excitement. And it was, yeah, I think about that all the time. It was like a real identity crisis, but also like kind of anything felt like anything else felt like a little bit like going backwards. There was also a lot of shame around that. Now that I, I went back to content and marketing but I started an agency, I feel like I'm constantly growing and learning, but it's not about writing. It's not about editing. It's not about even like coming up with creative ideas. It's about being a, a better manager. That's like where I'm yeah. going. So it's really interesting to like kind of see the parallel for you is also not necessarily in the core thing that your business does, but in what you go through to grow your business. Yeah, uh, you, you hit the nail on the head. And I think I, I also have those thoughts a lot because, you know, I've been doing this for, I've been somewhere near this for like 11 years, which is which a is lifetime. a lot. Like, yeah, it's a lot. Like I'm a completely different person. And I, I told my husband the other day, I'm like, wow, you've done like so many cool things. You've worked in so many cool places. And that's really, that's really neat. Like I've always just worked in one place. 
So he's like, yeah, but it's different because you've done a lot of different, like it's been a different job every couple of years, completely changes. Totally. Like thinking about how your industry changed, like you worked as like before e-commerce really started to take off, then with social media and e-commerce taking off, then your business might still be the same business entity. I don't know. Maybe you changed that too, but, but the business changed, like you wildly pivoted, right? Yeah. But I always think like, wow, like what could I do? Like eventually if I end up selling the brand or just like decide like that's it, I I finished what I came to do. Like what else could I do that would have this, that would be so, so many different things. Cause I, I love doing yeah, a ton of different it, things. It's a real challenge. I, I can tell yeah. you like, I, I, I'll talk to you about it when I get there. <laughs> so let's dive into like you also became a manager in this process, right? Like you started yeah. from just working by yourself. By myself. And now yeah. how, how does it look now? So now I have three other amazing, amazing women on my team. I have uh, Shira who does marketing. And then I have Tamar who's the newest member. Um, she switched someone who, she replaced someone who left. And she does all our packaging. And then I have Esther who comes in to help with manufacturing because there's still some things that we make in the studio. I've had someone helping me out with like fulfillment for a lot of years uh, or some of the making, which I used to have a lot more of in the studio, but like having someone who's, she's been with me for about a year now and it's been amazing. Like also just having other people to sort of like hold that weight uh, with me. Um, But also just seeing other people are like working so hard for my dream. It's just so weird. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's like, strange and it's like why are you guys here <laughs> i know why i'm here it's really late like don't you guys want to go home yeah. they're they're all <laughs> so committed and uh that's amazing like i that i think that's what i'm most proud of i never know what they actually think about me but i think i'm i think i'm doing a pretty good job like i'm i'm pretty happy with how i'm running it and we all get along really well so yeah i think that's the part that i'm most proud of and then you're also managing some people who are like vendors or contractors right yeah so we have manufacturers like all over um which we're trying to sort of it's pretty messy we're trying to like consolidate that and have some pretty exciting things happening there but um yeah because just of the way that our country is it's really small and there isn't a lot of uh, small-scale manufacturing and then you're like, oh, well, I'll just do it all in China. But that just brings up a whole new level of struggle. So right now, thankfully, like he's not a team member, but he kind of is. Like my husband is very much involved in my company, also like as a soundboard, which I think is like not fair <laughs> anymore to him. But yeah, he's like, he's the complete opposite of me. So that really helps. He's like very chill, like doesn't take anything too hard. Is really good at just like not thinking about things. At all. That that's important. I also found like my husband is, o- is also the complete opposite of me, and also my co-founder and emerge uh, uh, at emerge was like very chill. And I find that I kind of gravitate either towards like people who are very much like me or <laughs> com- the complete opposite. <laughs> complete opposite. Yeah. You need to yeah, like so you, he- you need to, to balance it all, uh, out, right? Yeah. So he's very much like in the, he's worked in like an industry with manufacturing. He in finance so he's like really good with numbers so that's been very very helpful like I don't think I could have built any of this if he if he wasn't right there with me that's so nice we won't let him listen to that uh- <laughs> <laughs> no I'm like this time I'm gonna mention him and then I'll have to, and then he'll listen <laughs> <laughs> we'll tag him so I'm like uh, selfishly like what's 
really interesting to me is how you grew. What did that mean? Like going from like, you're the only person working for yourself and maybe, maybe kind of consulting with your husband, uh, and maybe then having like some outside vendors to like really being a manager, having a real, like three people as a real team. How did you, Elisheva, kind of change or transform throughout those 11 years cause of that or how like, or like kind of parallel to that? Well, I, I still, I have a lot to learn <laughs> in terms of like managing. I think, yeah, I think, um, some things came naturally to me. Like I'm, I'm very much a people person and I, I think, I think, you know, I'm pretty easy to get along with and I'm nice, which I think is important. I know how to like communicate harder things in a way that they'll be better understood. I also think I've, I'm, I think I'm pretty good at also like understanding which people I'll work well with. Like I've had some really great hires as well. Um, and I think just understanding like what I'm looking for and I mostly look for a chemistry. Like I'm not, necessarily looking for someone who's done this before or who knows what they're doing or even had I, I think I'm pretty good at looking for that but I'm learning to get better at like micromanaging which I definitely have like a long way yeah it's hard when it's your baby and you were work when you've been working on it alone you, you like we kind of know how it needs to be done it's really hard to like yeah let go and let someone else find their own way yeah especially I think with social media when like it's, it was my voice, like I'm speaking. <laughs> and all of a sudden, someone else is speaking for me. So we had to like go back and forth and see when we're like posting as we and when we're posting as I and then maybe I'll write the post or I'll comment. Did the voice kind of go through any transition? Like, like even when it was someone else writing, kind of trying to emulate your voice, but then did you say, yeah, hey, maybe we don't only need to emulate Elisheva, but maybe let's find a different voice that also contains that? I still think that we're doing that all the time. Like I still go over most of the posts um, and the captions just like to make sure that it, it just like a quick go over them. But I used to like change them all because I'm like, well, that's weird. Like I wouldn't say that, but I said, well, what's the point? Like I brought someone on to take some of that away from me because honestly, I can't like what's Instagram. There's so much work, like just the engaging and, and because of the time difference, I'd be doing it at night. And I said, well, this is the whole point. I'm supposed to be getting help. It's a back and forth. And I think we found like a, a good place to be. And, you know, I found out that she does a lot of stuff better than me. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. I love that tipping point when you're saying like, not only that she's saving me time, it's actually like she's better than me. So it doesn't make yeah, any sense. Yeah, for me to I do think it. there's a lot of a lot of the things she does better than me. And but you know, a lot of things like if someone's making mistakes, and like they, they package something and they forget to put stuff in or they write something and they forget to do like the coupon code. That I'm actually okay with. I think delegating, I still have a lot, a long way to go just because sometimes like, I'm like, oh, but I should be doing that. Like, this is not a fun job. This is a hard job. I don't, I don't want to like burden, you know, my, my Polish <laughs> ancestry. So I'm getting better. I think in the end, I actually read like an, a very much a design industry book, which I really liked uh, for Studio McGee. Do you know them? They had a Netflix show. Oh, yeah. They're amazing. Yeah. So they had a book, which I bought. My kids always make fun of me that I only read books with pictures. <laughs> I have like a ton of design books and plant books that I could just look at photos all day. I'm like, these photos have captions, guys. Like, stop making fun of me. So <laughs> there is I, actually I their, some text. <laughs> I ordered their book thinking, oh, cool, like a design book. And then it came and it has no photos. In it. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, what have I done? And they all made fun of me, but it was actually a business book about like their story. It was told from the husband's side, from the wife's side. And I really liked what they said. And they said that they always hire people who smile a lot. 
And because there's a big difference when someone asks, like, uh, what shade of white is that? They're like, oh, you can say, oh, that's like bare solid dove white. Or you could say that's bare solid dove white, two exclamation points. And I'm like, yes, right. That's, that's, I really so like true. that really resonated with me. So I think a lot of it is just in finding the right people to hire. Yeah. But did you feel also like on, we, we talked a little bit about being people pleasers? I know that's for me as a manager, being a people pleaser, wanting everyone to love me, but also being very uh, particular and having a lot of experience doing things like the same things that I want my team to do myself. It's very hard to kind of bridge the gap between being a perfectionist, even though I, I have pretty much let that go in the last few years, knowing how things should be done and then like wanting to be nice and like being able to communicate what's wrong or what needs to improve in a clear enough way that actually gives that person tools to grow, uh, but also you not feeling uh, really bad about talking about it. <laughs> um, yeah. Did you face any of that? I think so, uh, in a way. So I think a lot of it comes down to like understanding the priorities, which I think I've gotten a lot better at. And that sort of helps you let go of perfectionism. Um, I think that's sometimes harder for my employees than it is for me, where I'll be like, just get it done. Like, there's no way this beautiful design or this amazing package is worth the money it's going to make us. We have to like pump out so much where I'm always in the end. I think I've learned the hard way that the most important part of the business is the numbers uh, and especially the sales. So I'll always say, well, is this like worth the time you're spending for the sale? And I think that's something that's easier to explain after that person has been with us for a couple of months, because then they get into that mindset of like, is this going to bring the sale? Is this not going to bring the sale? That is such a good focus point because it's like you have like this litmus test at the end of the day. Like this is what we measure things against. Good, but I sometimes it's very hard because then, you know, sales is something that it's, it's not going to be consistent. It can't be consistent. It's seasonality. And a lot of times that's like what decides my mood <laughs> that week <laughs> uh, is the sales or like if I'm going to go to bed, like have I had enough sales? So like there's this is like a two edged sword. But I think in, for us to just to get our priorities in order and to decide how much time we're spending on something, unless we say ahead of time, like, okay, we're doing this not for the sale. We're doing this for the brand. And then that's going to be like a different amount of time spent. I love, I love how like this is, if we're doing it for something else, this will be a conscious decision and we will talk about it and yes. we will know what we're doing this for. It's very specific. We have an ambassador program. Uh, where we work with ambassadors, basically, and we we send them, yeah, we send them like free product, and they'll post and they'll engage. And this is this is our fourth round. We just started, and we know we're not doing that. Like the way we measure success on that is not in sales, because we know like that's very long tail. We're, we might eventually get sales for it. We're doing that to position ourselves. We're doing it to be able to work with influencers before they become big, and once that once they're bigger, they sort of like they they like us. <laughs> people pleaser, and they want to keep working with us. So that that's very conscious decision. And in, in, in the beginning, we really had to remind ourselves, like, we're not going to see our sales go up right away. But we know all the wonderful things we get, which is mainly like amazing photos that cost us nothing that we own the rights to. And we did that like really consciously. So we know when we're working on ambassadors, we know we might even be losing uh, money, but it's for something else. So just Understanding my like the metrics in the business and what to look for is something that I really had to learn 
the hard way. And it's, it's made the whole business work a lot better. I love that you opened that, like the metrics and the money and the sales, because I feel like for me, coming from kind of selling services, the metrics were very clear, very specific. This is how I price like my time. This is what the client gets, right? And yeah. this is what I see in the end of the day. Even though like going back over 10 years, I have to say, I didn't really understand that my time, you know, the cliche of time equals money. Yeah. I didn't understand that it's me, like my time needs, like it's not only getting this, this or that much, you know, thousands of, you know, dollars or shekels at the end of the month. It's also making sure that I was like well compensated for my time and that, you know, it was worth the babysitter or the, you know, the, the internet connection or whatever. Then going into startups, into tech, on the one hand, you're much more encouraged to talk about money and you raise money and all of that. And you like come up with these amazing, super anxiety inducing spreadsheets of, you know, financial forecasts. So it's all money, money, money. And you're talking about that and you're, you're speaking about like you're, how you'll, you're going to be like a billion dollar company. It's so much less specific and less clear of when will you be profitable? Business models change all the time. It's like investors yeah. know that when they invest like very early on, the business model will change. Maybe the product will change. And for me, I think a lot of my anxiety around that came, first of all, from even talking about money. I was raised not to talk about money, that it wasn't becoming, that it wasn't okay in general, but even more so for like uh, a girl and a woman. Then also from the lack of clarity, like, okay, I do believe that this could be a billion dollar company one day, but I can't guarantee it. Then like, how come like investors want me they don't want to hear from a, from a, an entrepreneur who also like kind of talks about the caveats about like, yes, it could be like a billion dollar company, but we need to make sure you, they want you to like wave of like, yeah, of like TV shows about WeWork and about like, um, yeah. Anna Delvey and all, all of that. The amazing thing is that the thing that they berate those founders or slash sometimes cameras for is the exact thing that a lot of times investors want to hear. They want to see that you have a big enough personality that you can promise things that you yeah. can't really promise. What I love about you is that you talked about like starting the business early on. And again, like I know and knew so many people in lifestyle that were people from finance, were people from tech, and they went into like lifestyle and home decor and places like that as kind of a respite from all of that as like, yeah. like a glorified hobby. And I love how you were able to look at it and say, Hey, like this was great. We did very well, but at the end of the day, no, we didn't do really well because we were working our asses off. We were probably burnt out. I didn't ask you yet uh, the question, but uh, I can imagine it wasn't product profitable or not profitable enough. And then I love how you're looking at it now. So can you talk a little bit about your relationship with money and metrics and all of that? I am just like not good with numbers. I think I actually could have been good with numbers. <laughs> I don't think like there's something <laughs> wrong. So I have like, I'm very not confident in my ability to like do simple addition and subtraction. Like I'm going to use a calculator 
or I'll ask my kids, like I have a 13 year old who's really good at math. I'll ask him because I, I don't trust myself with numbers. That's how I'd say it was. I don't think there's actually something wrong. Like I, I did well in the end in math or whatever, but I just like really not confident in my ability. And I think, but I think after I, I didn't have my partner anymore and it was just me and like, I would see the numbers and they weren't good. Um, I just, I was like forced. I remember like someone said, well, if you're doing it, and it's not making you money, then it's it's not a business, it's a hobby. And I'm like, oh, that's me. <laughs> it's it's a terrible thing to hear, but it's a necessary thing to hear sometimes. Being like a young mom and, and like having three kids and being mostly, it was mostly me uh, being with them when they were little because, you know, I was entrepreneur. My husband had it like a real job um, <laughs> you know, during, during those years. So I think that also had to do a lot with my self-worth. Like I'm like, oh, I, I don't just like, just want to be a mom like no no shade to whoever is but for me it, I, I always had this like like for me to have a career you know and it, that was how I thought about myself I remember like when my husband went back to work after we had our first and I'm like where are you going <laughs> don't leave like, me alone I said but, but what about me and he's like well you're <laughs> st- like you're staying with the baby like you have and I had a job like I was on maternity leave and I'm like, it's like, what did you think that would happen? I'm like, I don't know. I thought we'd like split it, you know, you're feminist, <laughs> like, and who will work? Like, and I, I'm thinking like, what was I thinking about? I honestly thought like, oh, this is going to be half and half. Like for a lot of different reasons, it wasn't. And just those years of like not making money, like, you know, the business never took money from us. Like it was always self-sustaining, but just like not having a paycheck for for years uh, or not having like a regular paycheck and for me it was just really bad for like my self-worth which I if people are listening that's not a good thing like you should not measure yourself yeah by that like I didn't see any of my successes I didn't see any of like me moving forward it's just like well I didn't make enough this month so and I kind of haven't gotten rid of that a hundred percent I'm really working on it like I'll list our successes uh, even if it wasn't as good of a month and I also think that sometimes I sort of like pass that on to my employees, which I also like once they showed it back to me, I'm like, oh, no, like, what have I done? <laughs> we had to like talk about all the great things that we were doing. It does have some really good sides to it. The fact that you are measuring that there, that there is clarity about metrics, but I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, there has to be other ways to measure success that aren't just sales because sales is something that's happening right now. But a lot of the things that we're building are going to they're going to just manifest themselves later. So these are conversations I, I have with myself. But I think just this is the way where it's the easiest way to measure success is to see your numbers. So I kind of become obsessed with that. But for example, when you did the pivot from book and loop to loop living or like to the planters, did you give yourself specific metrics? Did you give yourself like a, a specific amount of time or some other way to measure it? We have like, I think have things I measure like on a weekly basis, which is like our traffic and our conversion rate and our sales. Uh, we used to even look at like Instagram followers, which we probably should do more of because those are numbers that go up and they make you feel good <laughs> or like our newsletter signups. But I, I don't think I, I have like a goal number, which I'm reaching for, but it's always, it always feels like guesswork because like, especially in a small business, you can all, all of a sudden you'll have like this one huge sale that will come in on the website where like, where did that come from? Like a huge sale, like, and, and it'll be like some interior designer who bought something for a project. So things can like really sway quickly. So the goals are, it's a lot of guessing, but I think 
a lot of times when people would ask me, what do you do? And just like explaining to them, I like I used to say I was a designer. I don't say I'm a designer anymore because like I want them to sit to, and I try to like plug in that I have an employee, like employees, like really because <laughs> I'm like, I want them to take me seriously. Like I don't want them to think like I'm sitting at home, like knitting socks and selling them on Etsy, which is fine, but that's not what I'm doing. Like I have, it's a real business. Like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm the real deal. <laughs> it's important to me like to be taken seriously. And I feel like I don't say like I'm a designer. I say I have a business, like I have a company. And I always like make fun of my, yeah, make fun of myself a little in my head. But I think a lot of that is because of the way I think where I'm thinking about the sales and I'm thinking about like what makes it worthwhile. And no, and, and going back to what he said about like, what are you actually doing? Like, what does your day consist of? It's like not necessarily designing, it's running a business. Yeah. Exactly. So I always try to figure out how to, like, I really want people to understand again, because I want them to be impressed or whatever, or like, at least to know what I'm doing, especially since where we live is like, and my family, like everyone is just in academia, you know, we're living in Jerusalem in like a specific neighborhood where everyone is just like in the library all day, uh, like winning prizes or whatever. So I'm always like, yeah, I have a business. (laughs) It's real. (laughs) No, I really relate. I think for me, what really shifted my relationship with math, which hasn't completely shifted. It hasn't been like 180 for sure. Uh, but really was like going into, into the tech world and having to be, first of all, having to speak about money with confidence to like really know my numbers slapped a lot of my um, self-doubt about math, math, which I realized, just like you said, it wasn't actually true. It was like manifested by math teachers and kind of cliches and like culture uh, stuff. But, uh, and for me, like, like I could really relate to what he said about like really being tied to the sales metric as someone who doesn't feel like she's confident about math or I feel like I'm always very messy, even though like I could be like extremely organized just in order to, to avoid being messy. Like I have like this master spreadsheet where I'll, kind of update it multiple times a day and look at it multiple times a day and I have like spec how much money I've already done uh, already made like potentially that that month and how much I expect at the end of the month I will just look at it like two or three times a day I know it sounds obnoxious no I do all the time okay I'm good (laughs) it's like okay I'm good it's a real business it's not like just I'm not like dependent on like an investor who would or wouldn't like put the next investment. I'm not like, it's a real business. And I know it's like, it sounds crazy, but I think it's like what our experiences uh, and my project manager, Lauren, who's amazing now, like improved it and like made it like more fancy with yeah. um, kind of <laughs> functions and stuff. <laughs> and I will just look at, stare at it between meetings. <laughs> yeah. My husband, he like built an app since we have like a lot of problems thinking all our different, um, inventory he he built me an app it sits on like google docs or whatever and uh it's like a, it looks like a, it is it is a real app he's like so he said to me like what metrics do you want to know so so what well, i want to know like when i can exhale during the month so i need to know like the the way we're going this month like what's the projection so he's like okay no problem and then i know like what i need to hit and i'll refresh it like multiple times a day and once i hit i'm like okay okay i'm doing good and obviously like it's, it makes no sense because I could all of a sudden have two weeks where we have nothing and then that number is going to change. Like it keeps. Yeah, but it makes all the, all of the sense in the world to me. Like this really reminds me of, you know, in at monday.com, they have like this dashboard, which they built pretty early on. 
and it's on their screens in their office and anyone can see it. Anyone who just goes, walks into the office, whether it's like any employee or just a, a visitor, you have a meeting with one, of, with one of the people there and you can always see the key metrics. And yeah. that is like... It just calms you down because there's so much noise. And then you have this like... It's so focusing. It gives you like serenity. Yeah. If, if it's a good number. <laughs> I was saying if it's no, a good if, number. Even if it's a bad number, it, it at least gives you clarity. There is so much guesswork and it takes a bit of the guesswork out. Yeah. Especially when it's just like two or three numbers you have to look at because there's so many. And then I'm like, okay, I can, I can deal with two, like two numbers I can handle. So I, I look at that constantly. I love it. People should talk about this more. I also do. And I think that a lot of like, I obviously I have like a tight knit group of other online retailers. But it's really small. And I feel like I'm surrounded by a lot of people in tech, uh, just because, you know, being in Israel, I have a good friend who has a, a like very successful startup here in Jerusalem. And he's always like, he'll ask me about our numbers because we're friends. And when I tell him like, wow, he probably thinks this is like, so low because he has it and he's like wait you made that on your own <laughs> like you sold actual product I, I was like a pre-seed and seed tech startup which yeah. means like the very earliest stages and I work with companies at that stage even though I, I usually work with companies a little bit later on in their like startups like round a round b but I do I have it like sometimes I look at my spreadsheet and I say hey like I'm making more like if it was like uh a SaaS startup, right? A software as a service startup. And I would like be calling it like my ARR, my annual recurring revenue. That would mm-hmm. be like a pretty impressive number for like a, yeah. a, a startup that's not even two years old. It would probably not be attainable if we didn't have some, you know, outside investment. And hey, here we are, not even two years in, no outside investment. We're already like eight team members, self-sustained, and this is the number. And it's like, Good, good that's job. Good. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> it is a good job. <laughs> I've thought a couple of times of maybe finding like an investor or even a partner because I do think like we would have been able to do a lot of things a lot faster. Yeah, that's a give and take. There's a lot of pros and cons. As you said, you've been doing this for 11 years, was it? Yeah, even a, yeah, something like that. Not only is the business a different business, you're also a different person. Like there's some overlap with that Elisheva and today's Elisheva, yeah. but you were like in a different place in your life. You were probably like thinking some other things, feeling some other things. Yeah. Talk to me about like, it's a huge commitment to stay in like 11 years later. It is. It's not something like I think about myself, like, you know, there's people, I think mostly like our parents who have been like in the same job for so many years. But my husband always reminds me, he's like, it's not the same job. You're doing a good. I said, wow, like if I had a CV, it would have like one line on it. He's like, no, no, you'd have a lot of lines. You would have had a lot of bullet points though. Exactly, exactly. After that one line. Keep moving forward and refining and uh, doing what interests me now. Uh, it doesn't feel like I've been doing it for that long. Plus, there have been a lot of changes. Like when I had three kids, I, I was probably working more part-time. I didn't feel part-time because it was like any time I had. Uh, but now me and my husband split the time and uh, with the kids as well. So I have full work days. So even just that's different. Are you still enjoying it? Most days. Yeah. Yeah, I am. I, I do enjoy it. Obviously, like there's stretches of time where I'm like, I got to do something else. Like it's just too much stress. 
But then I wonder, well, maybe I'm just like a stressed out person. Like, I'm, am I not going to be that same person working for someone else? Like, I'll still want to. Yeah, I have the same questions. And then you'll actually have to answer to someone. Yeah, I feel like I'm taking, I'm taking, I'm going to be taking myself to any job I do. Oh, I, I love that. That is such a good line. <laughs> well, cool. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I like wonder. There's times where it's just really, really hard. Uh, and it's really, it's really lonely and you don't know necessarily that it's going to get better. Like, and also I think a lot of times I say, well, what am I waiting for to happen for like a startup? They have like an exit moment. So what, like, what's my exit? What's my game plan? Cause eventually I will, I will want to do something else just because, you know, I want to try other things. So right now I'm like in a period of time where I'm just trying to be really open. Like I've decided not to listen to only e-commerce podcasts, which is how I got to your podcast. <laughs> Because I was like, wow, like maybe if I open my mind a little and like, because I was feeling, I'm, I'm guessing we'll get to that, but like super burnt out. And I thought my friend said, well, maybe just need like a, another creative project. So I'm sort of like trying to open myself up and see what happens. It's hard when what you do is also like, like that's your entire kind of content world. Uh, and that's what you enjoy. Yeah. Because it's then, then it's very hard to get like an outlet. It's like just get a breathe. Yeah, right now, like also there isn't something else I'd rather be doing. And I and most days I really like doing this. And I, I'm not done yet, but I don't know if I'll ever feel like I'm finished. So I'm just like putting it off. Yeah. <laughs> you knew this was coming. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk about burnout. And I, I already like I'm feeling a little bit bad about quoting her all the time but uh there's a person who i don't know her name is katie leeson and a couple of years ago she just wrote this brilliant tweet which you already know because you listen to the podcast and i just think that she put it so succinctly so i'm gonna just <laughs> quote her yet again so katie leeson tweeted a while ago this is what she said we need to stop glamorizing overworking, please. The absence of sleep, good diet, exercise, relaxation, and time with friends and family isn't something to be applauded. Too many people wear their burnout as a badge of honor, and it needs to change. So do you wear your burnout as a badge of honor? Have you worn it as a badge of honor? What's your relationship with burnout? Yes, and yes, and yes, yes to everything. I think, I think, again, it goes back to like, that pivotal time. in when I was studying in university, I think, like, you'll see their design students, they work so hard, and they work all night. And like pulling all nighters is completely normal. Like I would just live in school. Be like, why are we working so hard? Like we're not medical students. So what? So the model I'm gonna like, hand in is gonna be like, really, really smooth, or just really smooth. And that's like the difference. And I would say, I think it's a, a matter of control. Like you can't control what the professors are going to think. You can't control what they're going to say. You can only control how smooth it's going to look. So that's what you're going to control. And I think like that, that mindset of like, well, I don't, I don't feel like I'm actually controlling the sales, right? Like I can't make the person purchase, but I'm going to control everything else. You're going to control the amount of effort that you put into it. The amount of time. Yeah. Yes. People with burnout are also very controlling people. So for me, I'm burnt. I'm burnt out a lot. Uh, I bounce back. Just that feeling of like, why am I doing this to myself? Plus, like you've spoken on the podcast about like autoimmune problems, which of course I have <laughs> as well, and like <laughs> stress, and my jaw was like stuck. And I say like, is what? It's not worth it. Like nothing is worth it. But then it's just so embedded in who you are, sort of letting go of that. You're like, well, then then who am I? So it's just a constant struggle. And I think there are some things that are helpful. 
to me, at least, which I can talk about <laughs> to sort of like put things in place. One, I'm, I don't feel like at all I'm very good at this and I'm definitely like need to get better. Definitely not that person who like goes running to like take stress off more like binge watching TV. I have been trying to, I, I spoke with like, I went to like a, I don't know, it's not natural path. How do you say that? Like naturopath? Um, a naturopath. Yeah. One of those for like skin problems I have, which are autoimmune. I told, she said like, well, why don't you go to sleep earlier? Cause I love going to sleep late, like late. Yeah, me too. I told her like, I hate finishing the day. I hate finish saying like, this day is over. Like that's it for today. Like, I don't feel like I'm ready. Like that's the only FOMO that I really feel that, that I yes, have. Yes, I have like, nighttime FOMO. It's like kids where they, they don't want to go to sleep because they like thinking something exciting will happen after they go to sleep, right? Yeah. And even if I'm just like watching on like speed watching, like makeup tutorials for like things I'm never going <laughs> to do on YouTube. And so like, well, you know, I, if I go to sleep, like how will I know how someone else is going to contour, you know? And then she said, like, I haven't gotten anything done. She says, well, you haven't gotten sleep done either. Like you got to have <laughs> sleep done. That was like, just it switched it for me. Like, wow, maybe like if I'm going to reframe it, just put it on my calendar. Like all the other things I want to exactly, get done. Like, like put it on your like task management. So I've, I have been going to sleep earlier, but I think like there are two main things that help me sort of, that I feel like I'm lucky to have. One is family, like my children and my siblings, which I'm very close with, where that's just something that like I can't give up. Like those are times where I have to go and I enjoy it. So there's that. And the other thing um, is that since we're, we're like modern Orthodox, so Saturday, Come Friday evening, my phone is off. And I have to tell you, like, that's something I'm never, ever going to do any other time. Oh, my God. I so relate. You know it. Yeah. And then so Friday night, I'm going to 25 hours of like detox. And it's every single week. And then Friday night, I'll go to sleep really early, like 930. I'm in bed. And I wake up in the morning and I don't check my email. And that's just even just knowing that I can do that is a good thing to know because sometimes they feel scared that like it's kind of like takes so much noise out of your head yeah. it's like and then I could just like really relax I have time I see people I eat with friends so that is something I think is like I don't know where I would be without that I read that's like my time to read yeah well I look at pictures <laughs> picture books <laughs> playing with my kids and not just like you know managing them so yeah, that's also amazing. And then moving back near my family has also given me like I need I, I, a lot of times like we'll have spontaneous coffee morning dates, which has also been amazing. But I don't know, I'm listening to your podcast to see how other people deal with burnout, because <laughs> I, have, I have a lot to learn. Like I definitely I'm far from the expert. And then also like having just really good friends doing similar things than me, then we normally won't be burnt out at the same time. Yeah. And you need to also, you need to be able to say that to someone like, cause if you'll say it to someone else, they'll be like kind of alarmed or like they'll think you're actually going to do that. I get mad at my husband. Cause sometimes I'll be like, that's it. I've had it. I'm closing. these like so close. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> say that? How dare you? Like, <laughs> no, that's not what you're supposed to say. <laughs> to say what but look how far you've come like did you forget your lies <laughs> we've gone over this <laughs> talking about autoimmune disease how stressful <laughs> and like i don't know even like infuriating is it when when a doctor tells you that what you have is like stress induced <laughs> it's like you did it to yourself <laughs> i get really angry with myself I say I have like a psoriasis. So that's also stress related. Yeah. And I also have TMJ, which is like locked jaw syndrome or something, which is also due to stress. Oh, yeah. Don't we all? Yeah. yeah. 
So I get really mad at myself. I say like, why can everyone else handle life? It's just like not be sick. How come I'm handling it so poorly? And then that's even more stress. And then I'm like, oh no, like I can, I can like imagine it getting worse. I'm like, stop being stressed. So I said, stop being stressed. That doesn't work, <laughs> by the way. So yeah, my, my Ayurvedic doctor was like her, like I think her dream was for me to close the story. <laughs> like, You're doing it to yourself. And I would like tell her, you're not helping. I'm not going to close it. And it's not just stress anymore. <laughs> so guess who's laughing now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What did it's I a, it's a work in progress. Yeah. So I remember FS Mamat, Zero Effort, the song by uh, Nancy yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. Static and Vanel. To our listeners who are not from here, like, uh, it's a, it's a song in Hebrew by, uh, Neta Barzilai, who won the Eurovision a few years ago. And it's kind of like, just like praising someone about like how she does everything at zero, like no, like effortlessly. And I think like the first time I heard it, I, I cried. <laughs> what is this world where people do things effortlessly? There's no such thing. I'll have people say to me like, wow, you guys are doing so well and things are looking so good because all they see is our, our Instagram. And I'll be like, what are you talking about? Like, oh, And also so your many- Instagram is so like serene. It's all like white and green. Yeah. And it's like, it looks like effortlessness feels, right? It's a lot. Like, am I supposed to be showing like the back end struggles or like, am I, is it a place where people come? Where, like, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable. Like, just like I don't let people into like my house when it's disorganized. Yeah. It's also kind of a public service what you're doing because you are the make a tutorial to someone else's stress. Yes, exactly. So also I say to myself, like, I don't feel like I know a lot of business owners show a lot of the business because they have a lot of like business owners following them. But I'm not interested in that right now. Like, obviously, I've done like that's also not your audience. Yeah, I've done the consulting before. And I, I definitely see myself teaching in the future. That's something I really want to do. I know there's no such thing as like, oh, it's effortless. Like, I know what effortless looks like. It looks like our Instagram. (laughs) And it's not effortless at all. Like a lot of work goes into it. And there's a lot of like behind the scenes. So I don't buy it. Like no such. So first of all, I I think when you teach, your students will be so, so, so lucky uh, to learn from you. Thank you. (laughs) And second, our episode is coming to an end. And I would love to hear if you want to point our listeners somewhere, do you want to promote anything? This is your time and place to shamelessly plug anything. So I'll always plug in our website first, which is uh, loopliving.co. Loop, like a uh, loop the loop living, and then CO at the end. And then our Instagram is loopliving. And for local listeners from Israel, we opened our Israeli Instagram on Thursday. I saw. Um, yeah, it's pretty, Congrats. it was like, we've been talking about it for so long. And when we did it, we're like, why did we even think about this? Like, why don't we just do it? <laughs> so if you're local and you want to see it in Hebrew, and um, you'll probably get more behind the scenes peak as well, just because it's easier. So it's the same. It's just loop living IL. And then you can find us there. Thank you so, so much, Elisheva, for joining me. I feel like this was Thank you. a long time coming. And it's just so exciting to hear about all the stuff you're working on. But even more so just about like who you are. Thank you. I had a really good time. Yeah, <laughs> it was fun. Me too. And I'm like, I know like I have no stake at it, but I just, I'm so, I don't know if I, I was going to say I'm so proud of you, but I'm just like, I'm just a fangirl. I really love what you're doing. I love how you're doing it. Oh my it. God. Same. 
I'm such a fangirl too. <laughs> Honestly, like you were talking before, I think we, we a lot of things that you said like really resonated with me. I think you share a lot more on Instagram. So like I also knew about them. But for me, like you're just so brave. Oh. Like I'm, even just talking about like, if you would shut down, what would you do? And for me, like I always say, wow, like you're just a trailblazer. So you should know that's what I think. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You made my day. And happy Passover. We're recording this uh, about a week before Passover. So uh, yeah, happy Passover. Happy Passover. And thank you so much for coming on. Amazing. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Looks Like Work. You can find resources, links, and of course the episode's show notes at roomsandwords.com. That's rooms, like a room, and words, and like an and.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, I really, really hope that you like my newsletter too. My newsletter is something that I send out every week, and I share thoughts, links, books and just other things that I find thought-provoking, interesting, somehow contributing to these conversations that we're having here, or sometimes just joyously distracting. Again, the newsletter is sent out every week, and you can find the link to sign up on my website at roomsandwords.com. And I really hope to see you there, and of course to see you here next week. Have a good one!